there's this old song by John Mayer where he depicts this date with a girl that ended up going bad. Part of the lyrics go this way. My stupid mouth has got me in trouble. I said too much again to a date over dinner yesterday. And I could see she was offended. She said, well, anyways, just dying for a subject change. I am never speaking up again. It only hurts me. Can you relate to that? To a moment in your life where you said, I'm going to go into that meeting and I'm not going to say these words and boom, you let them out. You let them slip. Where you said, I, I am never doing this ever again. I'm never committing this mistake twice. And you did it. Not only twice, but a third and a fourth and a fifth time. Have you ever gone through a moment where you have promised somebody, maybe your spouse, maybe a close friend, hey, listen, I'm sorry by the way that I've treated you. I will never treat you like this again. And you did it for the second, third, fourth, fifth time. Why? Why do we do these things? Because it's not a problem of a lack of willpower, something deeper than that. See, uh, nature comes before behavior. We do what we are. Who you are affects what you do. It reminds me of this story that St. Augustine once told in his famous confessions. He remembers when he was a child, him and his friends, they jumped into someone else's property and went into their pear orchard to steal pears. Later on, much later on in life as an adult and now as a Christian man, he reflects upon that experience. And he says, why did I steal pears if I don't even like to eat pears? He ended up taking the pears and throwing them to the pigs. And he couldn't think of a reason but the fact that it was forbidden. He did it precisely because it was forbidden. The passage that we find ourselves in today, Romans 7, the Apostle Paul deals with this issue. We're titling this sermon, The War Within. So would you read with me Romans 7? We're going to run, read from verses 14 through 25. This is what the Word of God says. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold under sin. For I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members." wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God within my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. This is the word of the Lord. 
as we think about this topic in the context of this passage, I want us to talk about three different things. First, I want us to look at what the Apostle Paul has to say about sin. First, let's, let's talk about the reality of sin. Secondly, let's talk about this war within. And then lastly, let's talk about the hope of victory that this passage has to offer us. First, let's talk about the reality of sin. I, I don't know if you noticed, but in the short verses that we read, the Apostle Paul talks about two separate stages in his life. Uh, He talks about when he was a religious man before having an encounter with Christ, and now as an apostle of Jesus, someone that has encountered Jesus and has now devoted his life to following Jesus and preaching to the world the gospel of Jesus. Uh, From from verses 7 through 13, the apostle Paul talks about that past life. In fact, in, in verse 9, he says, I was, the verb is in the past tense. From verses 14 onward, the Apostle Paul is talking about who he is in the moment, I am. Verse 14, I am. This is who I am. And in this contrast that he lays out here in chapter 7 about his previous life apart from Christ and now his newfound life with Christ, he uh, notices a very different perception that he has now of himself compared to how he used to see himself. You know, before he used to see himself as a good man. We learn uh, from other passages here in the book of Romans, in the book of Galatians, the apostle Paul writes extensively about his previous life without Christ as a good religious Pharisee somebody that took the law of God very seriously, that was respected by his community, and in fact had so much zeal for the law of God that he would persecute those who he would call heretics, those who he would call as lawbreakers. That was the characteristic of the life that the apostle Paul lived prior to having an encounter with Jesus. But after he has an encounter with Jesus, He can no longer see himself as a good, moral man. In fact, in verse 14, look at the words, again, of what the Apostle Paul says about himself in verse 14. He says, for we know that the law is spiritual, but look, but I am, I am of the flesh and sold under sin. And listen what he says in in verse 20 about himself. He says, now if I do what I do, Do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but the sin that lives in me. The Apostle Paul sees himself now as a wretched, sinful man, as he now also says in verse 24, I am a wretched man. A very different perspective of his own self. Now, the question is, what changed things for him? What was the pivotal moment? by which the Apostle Paul began to see himself differently, where he now had a different perception of himself. He says it really clearly, it was the law of God. The Apostle Paul finally understood why the law was given by God to Moses and to the people to begin with. The Apostle Paul had devoted his life 
to understand the law of God. He preached the law of God. He defended the law of God, but he didn't understand the purpose of the law of God. And he admits it here in verse 9, which we did not read, but he says, at one moment the commandment came home to me and I understood who I was and I was a sinner. The Apostle Paul meditated precisely on the last commandment, do not covet. And he realized that the first nine commandments are about actions and behavior. But then the last one is about the heart, the intention. And he says, if I cannot stop coveting, it's as if if I had broken all the other nine commandments. He understands now that Sinfulness is not about that which we do, but that which who we are. It's who we are, remember what I said in the beginning of the sermon, that dictates what we do. He's able to see the depth of his sin entrenched in himself. He, under, he thought in, in the past that God had given his law to his people so that they would avoid sin and become a holy people. But upon a closer look of the purpose of the law, he began to understand that the reason why God gave his law to his people was so that they would understand the character of the God that they were in covenant with because the law at the end of the day is a mirror that reflects the character of the lawgiver, of the Father. And when you compare yourself To the character of a perfect, holy God, you begin to see your flaws. The more there's light, the more you are exposed, the more flaws you see in yourself. And that's precisely now his new understanding of the law, that the law was given so that the people could see how sinful they were and how desperate and needy they were for the God that they were in covenant with so that they would give themselves to this God, so that they would go to this God for rescue, for mercy, for salvation. The law was given to reveal to us our sin and our imperfection so that we would sense our need for God. It reminds me of this character and one of Flannery O'Connor's old novels, Wise Blood. There's this character there by the name of Hazel Mates, who Flannery O'Connor describes as someone with a deep conviction that the best way to avoid Jesus was to avoid sin. That's the difference, by the way, between Christians, gospel-believing Christians, and religious people. See, Christians, like the Apostle Paul here in this passage, they have no issue talking about sin. They have no issue admitting sin because it's precisely in the context of sin that the grace of God manifests its power. It's precisely in the context of our weakness that we are able to encounter the hope of the gospel. But religious people, they have a hard time coming to grips with the fact that they are flawed, that they do not meet the standards. And even in our culture, the culture in which we live in, this self-help culture, you know, people are uncomfortable to talk about their flaws. We are prone to listen to talks 
that are motivational in the sense that they push us forward, just talking about the potential that we have inside of us that needs to be activated. But we never talk about the real issues, the issues of the heart, our sinfulness, our brokenness. See, um, I don't want you to think that you're just someone that messes up, that you're just someone that is imperfect, that you're just someone with shortcomings. I want you to understand what the Apostle Paul is trying to communicate here, and that is that you are a sinner, and you need to come to grips with this reality. Because unless you come to grips with this reality and you're honest about it, you cannot find hope. You cannot find help. Paul admits it. Well, you admit it. That's the reality of sin. Now, as we continue to look at the words of the Apostle Paul here in this passage, he now begins to do something that's very interesting. He documents an activity of his own heart, which is a war that takes place on the inside. And he uses his own experience as a case study to teach us about ourselves and then ultimately where we'll get to, which is the hope to overcome, the hope to experience victory over sin in our lives. See, what the Apostle Paul does here is an amazing thing because only mature Christians, only mature people can talk about their flaws, can talk about their sin in such an open and honest way as the Apostle Paul does here in this passage because they know precisely two things. Number one, they know that the more holy they get, the more sinful or the less holy they feel. So you would think that people that are growing in their faith, who are further ahead than others in their process of sanctification, they look at themselves and they're like, wow, look, man, I'm having experiencing so much progress that they come in front of others and they say, look at my life, look at all these improvements that I have made. And when you look at the life of the Apostle Paul, who, who of us is more spiritually mature than St. Paul? He has the courage to say, man, there's still all these dark spaces in my life. There is this conflict within my heart that I want to do certain things like the song and I end up not doing the things that I want. And the things that I don't want to do, I end up doing. It is so frustrating. See, people that talk about their flaws, people that are honest about their mistakes and their sin, are people that are taking a step forward in their spiritual journey. They're not taking a step back. They're taking a step forward. I remember a pastor by the name of Jack Miller. He was the founder of the Sonship Seminars. Uh, these seminars where he taught in depth about the theology of 
justification, the theology of adoption, the theology of sanctification. And he would always start those lectures, those seminars that he would do for lay people, regular church people, by talking about his own life and his own shortcomings. And his opening statement was always, hello, my name is Jack, and I am a recovering Pharisee. (laughs) Here's a man standing in front of a big audience, teaching about the grace of God and being honest about his own shortcomings, being honest about his sin, and being honest about how the grace of God has exercised power in his life. See, spiritually mature people like Jack and like the Apostle Paul, they know that God's love for them does not grow based on their performance. They know that God's love for them is constant. So they can talk about it. They can talk about their sin. They can be honest about it. They don't have to hide their flaws because they have been made a new person in Jesus. They have received a new identity. But let's go back and and ask the question, what does he see when he looks at his own heart. We talked about his courage to talk about his sin and his shortcomings, but what is it that he sees in his, in his heart when he opens his heart up to us? He says he sees a war that happens and takes place within. Verse 23 and 24, For I delight in the law of God and in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. What is he trying to explain to us here? He, he is explaining uh, what takes place in the heart of every Christian. He says, uh, now as a Christian, because you can now see your sin clearly when it's contrasted uh, with the holiness of God. You, you, you now, because you have been reached by the grace of God, because you have been profoundly loved by Jesus, and you understand all that went in in order for you to be rescued and redeemed, the sacrifice of Christ's own life, you now grow in this appreciation for your God. You want to love and you want to serve Him, and you want to model Him. You want to reflect the character of your Father. The Apostle Paul says here in verse 22 that he has that desire to reflect the character of his father into the world, but sometimes he wants to do certain things that reflect that beautiful character of God that's depicted in the law, but he ends up doing the opposite, the very opposite. He goes into, it's as if he would say, you know, I would go into a conversation and I say to myself, I want to have that posture of humility, right? And, and, and I want to speak the truth with love, but the conversation takes a turn, and then his sinful nature is activated, and instead of speaking the truth with love, he speaks the truth with harshness, and it ends up hurting people, and it ends up bringing more damage than there was before he entered that conversation. The Apostle Paul says, there are elements of sin in my life that don't allow me to do what I really want to do, which is to honor God with all of my being. See, the fact of the matter is that, you know, 
when you were rescued and redeemed by God, you received a new identity. You received a new nature. However, that nature is still being developed in you. You are still becoming like Christ. It's a process that takes place in your life. One day it will be completed, and it will be completed when you die. But while you still live life on this earth, sin will still creep in because you're still a sinful person. A Christian, as Martin Luther used to define, is simultaneously a saint and a sinner. Before God, you were a saint, but you're still working out that sanctification. And what that means is there's still a lot of imperfections in you that God is cleaning now, that God is working in through His Spirit. And I want you to understand that that is the reality in the life and the heart of every Christian to uh, adjust your expectations about your own spiritual progress. See, uh, number one, uh, this frustration that you have with yourself is normal. It's part of the process. It's okay. You drop the ball like I do every once in a while, but guess what? God's love for you does not go away. He does not remove your status of a child of His. It's part of the process. And, and, and number two, uh, I want you to understand that you are not helpless, that your situation is not hopeless, that God is leading you to an end. He is with you along the way. The Spirit of God, remember a few, a few sermons ago we talked about this, lives inside of you and is making you more and more like Jesus. Now, for some of us, this process is faster. For some of us, it's slower. There are phases in life where we accelerate. There are other phases in life where things slow down. But nevertheless, we're always moving forward. There is hope. See, before Jesus, like you were fighting a battle that you could not win. Why? Because you did not have the Spirit of God in you. But now you were fighting a battle that you cannot lose. And that's where the Apostle Paul brings in his encouragement towards the end of, of the passage that we read. Let's look at the hope of victory. What is the hope of victory? Let's look at verses 24 and 25. First, the Apostle Paul says, Wretched man that I am who will deliver me from this body of death. And then, listen to this. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. He says, uh, once again, he, ad he admits it, that while living life in this earth, there will be that war. There will be that conflict that would happen within his heart. And it will happen inside your heart. That happens inside my heart. It's taking place all around us. Now, what he says is, but I am thankful for Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ. Why? Because he's saying Jesus is the one that brings about victory in our lives. Now, yes, you cannot win the way 
you are, the way you find yourself, but through Christ, all things are possible. Remember Philippians 4.13? That's what that verse is actually about, that I can do all things through Christ. The Bible does that. The Apostle Paul is constantly doing this. He's taking the focus off of ourselves and putting the focus on Jesus. He's saying if you're going to experience victory over sin in your life, it's not going to come through you. It's not going to come through anything that you may be able to do. It's going to come through that which has been done in Jesus Christ. You are not the hero of your story. Jesus is the hero of your story. Thanks, God, for Jesus. How can we overcome sin through Jesus? We must understand what Jesus Christ has done. What did Jesus do? Jesus took care of the problem of sin and death. On the cross, Jesus was victorious over sin and death. How? Through his obedience and his sacrifice. Number one, through his obedience, by living a sinless life. Jesus was 100% God and 100% man. And as a man, he perfectly fulfilled the law of God. He was the only human that fulfilled the law of God, the second Adam that fulfilled the law of God. And he did it in our place. He did it for us precisely because we can't. As the Apostle Paul realized, I cannot fulfill the commandments. Where can hope be found? Hope can be found in the one that has fulfilled the commandment for you and I. So he does it through his obedience. And on the cross, he conquers sin and death through his sacrifice. Why? Because on the cross, as the Apostle Paul in another passage talks about, he who knew no sin, who had committed no sin, became sin for us so that we can become the righteousness of God in him. On the cross, Jesus takes our sinful condition, and he receives the penalty that all sinners deserve, which is what? Death. He dies on the cross. That's why Jesus dies on the cross. You know why Jesus dies on the cross? Not to set up an example of love, but so that you wouldn't die eternally. He dies on the cross so that we would encounter eternal life in him. On the cross, Jesus defeats death and sin. On the cross, Jesus cancels our debt that we possessed. The bill that was ours was paid in full, and therefore it was canceled on our behalf. Jesus says, I paid it for them. I paid it for you. Jesus paid your debt on the cross. He did it for you. And when you understand this, that your debt of sin was canceled on the cross, and you believe that Jesus was your substitute there on the cross, that changes everything for you. That changes the way in which you now approach God. That changes the way in which you see yourself. And in that, you find power to overcome sin in your life. See, the reason why we are not experiencing victory over sin in our lives is not because we're not trying harder. 
The reason why we are not experiencing victory over sin in our lives is because we don't believe the gospel enough. We don't believe that we're loved by God. We don't believe that we have been forgiven. We don't believe that our sin has been canceled by Jesus, that the debt has been canceled. It reminds me of the words of one of my professors, Steve Brown. He used to say this, that uh, the people that get better are the people that know that even if they don't get any better, Jesus will love them anyways. What does he mean by that? What he's saying is the only people that experience victory over sin are precisely the ones that believe the gospel with all their hearts. Do you believe the gospel with all your heart? Do you believe that you have been unconditionally loved by God in Jesus Christ and that Jesus Christ loved you with his life, that on the cross he canceled the debt that you have, and that on the cross he invited you to experience this new life. Do you believe that? The problem is sometimes that we forget it. Even us as Christians that say, yes, I believe that, we'll go on forgetting this truth, and then, you know, we find ourselves in that struggle and, you know, sin is uh, now once again uh, taking over our lives and we are experiencing defeat left and right is because we forget. The more you remember, to the degree you remember the truth of the gospel, you will find the power that you need through Jesus Christ to overcome the power of cancel sin in your life. The power of Christ, get this, is greater than the power of sin. The power of Jesus, get this, is greater than the power of death. The love of Christ is where we find power. May you encounter this power today. May you believe in the message of the gospel. May you be reminded of the message of the gospel, and may you experience victory in your life. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful for Jesus. We're grateful for that which he has done on our behalf. And Father, we acknowledge that inside every single heart of ours here today, that there is a war being waged on the inside. And Father, we acknowledge that the reason why many times we feel like we're losing this war and sin is taking over is because we don't believe the gospel enough as we should. So today, Father, give us the grace that we need to believe in the gospel and consequently experience victory in our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. May God bless you.